Hello, and welcome to episode 97 of Flicks in a Six. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo, with me forever and always, the man, the myth. Nah, it was something dumber than that. Alessandro Bielsi. Say hello, Al. Um, I realize that I haven't seen my beard, or sorry, I haven't really seen my chin because of my beard in like five years. That's awkward. Yeah. <laughs> That's weird. I, uh, I went through that, that same thing because I had that tuft or like a chin strap for the longest time, and then when I shaved it, I was like, who's this guy? On um, this week's episode, <laughs> <laughs> trailers, wacky headlines, what we're watching, and other news and nuggets, all before diving into our flick of the week, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But first, Al, what are we drinking? Um, we are drinking one of possibly more than one carton brewing beers. <laughs> well, you said it, and I was like, oh, am I that asshole who didn't realize that we had a bunch of them? No, because I just no, grabbed the first it, one that I saw. There's another one on the bottom of my fridge, but I don't seem to have a second one on the top, so it might have just been a one-off that I didn't share with you. Huh. Well, anyway, we're drinking Carton Brewing Beach Beach? There's two beach. There's two beaches, so I'm beach. assuming it's Beach Beach. <laughs> beach Beach! Um, <laughs> beach Square. Well, I said, it was, <gasps> I said the second one with a question mark, and there's no question mark on this one, so I'm just going to say Beach Beach. <laughs> <laughs> it's a session ale with orange zest. Um, Damn right it is. It's 4.0% alcohol by volume. There's 40 IBUs. Um, it says, drink off the beaten craft. <laughs> um, oh, we got a little story in this one. Okay. Like the tension and relief of a day spent flitting between laying on sand under the beating sun and bobbing on the ocean's cool surf... Summer session drinking, goof, uh, that was a tongue twister. <laughs> it also doesn't help that I'm probably not sober. Uh, needs leisurely contrast. Summer session drinking needs leisurely contrast. With beach, oh, I guess it's only one beach, we find that midpoint where Kolsch yeast's fruity character matches its lean dryness and where an amber's roundness... Are they trying to trip you yeah, up? Yeah, they are <laughs> literally trying me to. Trying to get me here. Uh, Whoa. Trying me to. Trying to get me. <laughs> Where an amber's roundness gets pulled taut by cracker notes. The, the hops... <laughs> you're not helping either. The hops, fruity aromatics, flow, and the bitterness ebbs with a swash of orange zest to be clean and lean. Bitter and bright. Drink... Uh, oh my god, I thought that was a drink bleach. Drink beach and be... <laughs> In, in Al's in Al's defense, um, it seems like he he may have had a few already, but also it is damn near impossible to read this whacked out font that is smooshed on the can. The thing is, even if I if I hadn't already had a few drinks, I would have felt yeah. like I was not sober because it's like subtly wavy. It's, it's straight up Shakespeare, also. Well, that too. No, but like the way that the lines are, like they're like kind of wavy. Like I guess because it's like riding a wave, like at the beach. And yeah. I, it would have started making me feel like it was some sort of, like, Mad Hatter, like, Cheshire Cat, like, bullshit going on. Like, yeah. drink beach and be chill. Aside from the, the nonsense on the can, the can art itself is pretty whimsical. I'm a, I'm a fan. And also, I really like that there's... So it's a beach. There's a guy sitting under an umbrella. There's all these people hanging out. There's seagulls. There's, there's beer. There's surfers. Then there's also that every time you're at the beach, there's a plane that flies by with an advertisement, and <laughs> this one is carrying a carton brewing company. Very smart, very smart free advertisement. Banner, very, very, it's adorable. And on the I'm, other I'm side, on the other side of the carton beach, beach, there is a dock with some boats and a guy coming off fishing, and the New York City skyline in the background. There's a little uh, Freedom Tower back there. And 
the barcode is their logo. Oh, which is pretty cool. oh shit, that is cool. That's pretty dope. I wonder if that plays havoc on uh, scanners sometimes. Yeah, right? it's just like it just you just try to scan it, it just goes nuts. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Now I've had this one. I'm a I, I, I like Carton a lot. I really enjoy their beers. Um, they do this 077XX series where they 07747 for example is my zip code and they collaborate with somebody like some other brewery or some establishment within the zip code. Nice. So like each of the 077XXs is slightly different. It's really cool. Uh, if you ever get a chance to have those, you should because they're all different. So every time you see one, it's, it's nice and tasty. That reminds um, me that I keep forgetting to stop at Newburgh and pick up their newest release. Mm. But uh, this is a uh, this is uh, this is great. I really enjoy this. Um, I haven't had one of theirs that I disliked. Um, it's funny. This I don't completely love this one. Um, I feel like it needs no? to be either more hoppy and less orangey or more orangey and less hoppy i don't love pick a, pick a direction i don't love yeah i don't love that both of them are like j- okay. jockeying for position that's fair that's fair i uh there's a there's a certain you know how all these um craft breweries do there's a certain like through line through all their beers that i, I really enjoy mm. so that's kind of what i'm picking up most yeah and uh, for whatever reason it feels like the two flavors are clashing rather than like Oh, interesting. Synergistically, like, hit it. Hit, synergy! Hitting the, <laughs> promote synergy! <laughs> Been a while since I've heard that one. Oh, man. Like a boss. I'm gonna have to, uh, that, it, that skit does, like, if you, re, when you revisit that, you'll laugh just as loud and just as hard the next time. So every day you chop off your own penis and you die. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> No, is it you, you suck your own dick? That ain't me. <laughs> <laughs> nah, duh, that ain't me. <laughs> Shit on Deborah's desk. <laughs> um, yeah, go. The, just did you? You know, you need. You got thirty seconds. Just go. Go turn that on. Well, it's longer. Than Get a chuckle. Seconds, but... uh, you only need thirty seconds, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a uh, it's a day. It's it'll it lift up your spirits. Yeah. Well, you gotta love the Sandberg. Yeah. Well, was that full Lonely Island or was that just Sandberg and Seth Rogen? I think it was Lonely Island. Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's on one of the Lonely Island Lonely Island albums. Apparently, I wasn't alone I, drinking tonight. I rewound the tape there. <laughs> <laughs> that was weird. Um, that was Ace Ventura. Let's roll it back. <laughs> That's what you slipped in. That's what was on your shoe, and that explains the abrasion on your palm. Damn, I'm good. <laughs> I love those movies so much. I know you do. <laughs> Uh, he's a gem. Getting back to this beer, though, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of the the color and the whole like there. So, oh, it's kind of halfway between like an amber and a Kolsch. Like, I, I, I kind of dig the like the malt body of this beer, but yeah, I don't know for whatever reason the the extra notes with the hop like orange thing they're they're clashing weirdly for me. I don't know. I was getting a single thumb up on my scale. <laughs> what does it get on yours? Yeah, um, uh, well, I think it, this when this goes under our untapped tonight, it's probably going to be like a three. I feel like, okay, I, I, I'm surprised. I, I feel like you will just put random decimal points in just to infuriate me. Well, I can't do it completely random because it's on a quarter scale. Oh, is it? Yeah. Ah, okay. So not, they're not completely savage. That's good. No, I'm not going to give this a 2.74. <laughs> just, 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 just make me furious. <laughs> like I see it pop up and it's. <laughs> I'm going to start rounding at six decimal points. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, man. Oh, is this like their aggregate scoring? Nope, he's just an asshole. <laughs> Shall we get into some news and nuggets? Uh, I guess. All right. First things first. Andy Serkis to direct the Venom sequel. Damn it, that was one of those notes that I actually uh, remembered. That, that's, that's fine. Uh, yes. Give me well, this. I mean, I know it, it's a low bar, but it's, come on, man. I love me some Andy Serkis, and I want to see him do this. Well, the thing is, I, I, see what I saw this like two weeks ago, or almost two weeks ago, and I was like, oh, yeah. we have to talk about this, because it was like Andy Serkis approached to direct Venom, mm-hmm. question mark? And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And then by the time we were going to be coming around to us recording, it was like, fully confirmed and then yeah, since then got, like, there's been like a million other things that have all fallen into place like wow they really they really unraveled this story quick yeah i very curious this is his directorial debut i don't think or, so no i i think he's directed a couple of things i don't think anything big yet but no i think he's already directed a couple of things let's see let's see what he's got here um man he's just he's so oh he's got six Credits. Maybe he'll play a villain. Oh, Mowgli, <laughs> Legend of the Jungle. Oh, that's right. I was like, I know I remember hearing that he directed something, and I was surprised. Oh, that's... Is that upcoming? Why is that under upcoming projects if it's a... Oh, no, it's not. It's just the weird way that it does this. All right. And um, some TV TV movie, The Ruins of Empires and Breathe from 2017. Not familiar with any of those. So big, probably first very large budget thing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. This might be the first... Oh, Andrew Garfield was in Breathe. Huh. Man, I I just want to watch him in in Black Panther again. Like he's just psychotic. Yeah. He does it and he does it so well. He could have played he could have played a funky joker. Yeah, he, I could have got he, on he board with that. He, he would have pulled I, that off. I wonder if if he maybe would be some character in this Venom movie. I mean, there's definitely room for CGI character, so... Oh, yeah, absolutely. Just, that would just be great if, like, all of the CGI characters were his mocap. Like, <laughs> there's something familiar about all of them. Well, uh, what's his name they teased at the end of the last one, right? Was it Woody Harrelson? As Carnage. Carnage. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was an interesting tease. I mean, at the end of the day, the movie's probably going to be just be fun, which is fine, because the, I thought the last one was fun. I, I mean, I, I knew going in it wasn't going to be groundbreaking by any means, uh, but it was entertaining enough for me, and I want to see where this one goes. It I definitely it wasn't good, but I think I remember having fun watching it. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Or at least parts of it. It was definitely too long. It's, it's, just, it's just silly. It's just silly fun. But I'm curious to um, see what he is as an actual director. We know he's a good actor. Probably an underrated yeah. actor, not just for the motion cap stuff. I think he's like an actually good actor. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And the motion capture stuff is incredible. Do, do you? We never talked about it on the show, but I sent to you and Brian the CGI stuff from Avengers with with Sean Gunn. Oh my god! Playing Rocket and walking in a little in a low crouch below <laughs> next to all of them. It's insane. <laughs> it, there's so many. There's so many photos and clips of it. And the thing is, if you look really closely, you can see Paul Rudd trying not to laugh. <laughs> yeah. During that what I sent you. <laughs> yep. It's amazing. If you haven't seen that, you definitely go go Google that. It's it is absolutely ridiculous, and I don't even know how he's moving like that. I know it's, <laughs> it's I, insane. I can tell he's you, he's not a short guy, right? No, no, he's I, he I mean he's <laughs> kind of gangly, but he's on the taller side he, for an actor at least. He transforms into a small little ball that moves so swiftly across the ground. It doesn't make any sense. It didn't even look that unnatural for him to walk like that. It's just it's yeah, that's just really funny because you never you don't think about that when you're watching like you know. 
like when you're watching the actual movie, like that, they, there needs to be something there to, like, to actually throw the dialogue back and forth to like spatial recognition and all that. Like it's like I always think about Space Jam and how ridiculous that must have been. Oh yeah. Like what was going on on that set? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, like there's a joke about um, Amelia Clark talking about how the dragons were just like a stick with a tennis ball on the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That uh, that just I mean I guess it makes for a better actor, right? Got to We got to really sell it at that point. But back to Andy uh, Circus, uh, I'm curious to see what he is as in, like an actual director. It's, yeah, it sounds me like too. he's really excited to do this, which is weird. That's that's what I was getting out of like the the post and like the random quote polls is like he's like he sounds like he's like already having fun conceptualizing how to pull it off. And and apparently, like the script was co-written by Tom Hardy for the second one. Like they already have like a first draft cool. on the script, I think. Huh. All right. Like uh, that was what he said. Was like, oh yeah. Like I already saw like the first like run of like the, the script, and he said, and whoever I forget the name of the one screenwriter and Tom have already taken a good look at it, and it was like, it was like like an addendum. Like the, he's referring to Tom Hardy. I was like, oh okay. Yeah. Nice. So you know what, so people are. You know, I didn't find out until recently. Was sorry. Uh, you know, I didn't find out until recently. Was did you know that Quantum of Solace was basically written by Daniel Craig? No. I found that out somewhat recently, and I meant to bring it up for the show, and I don't remember why I forgot to. But I found this out... Like, so is that the last time he'll be... Well, writing? no, what happened was, that movie was... It was delayed, the production and stuff was delayed because it was supposed to come out during the big writer strike ten years ago. Mm. And, like, I guess they wrote, like, maybe a first draft of the script, and it sucked, and basically he was just like, well, this movie's never gonna get made if someone doesn't actually finish the script, so he just tried to do his best to like rearrange and connect the dots off of an existing script. That's interesting. So like, it's not like he basically just tried to like make chicken salad out of chicken shit. Yeah. And I'm like, we still just got chicken shit, but sure. But, uh, that, I don't know, not excusing it entirely, but I I feel like that's, that's a nice little anecdote to add on. Yeah. Maybe (laughs) you get that talk before you watch it. You're just like, no, before you watch it, Let me just explain what happened with the writing situation. Yeah, I had had no idea. Like, it kind of... I mean, I do... Yeah, like, I, I'm i willing to give them a little bit more of a pass. I mean, Daniel mm-hmm. Craig definitely hasn't been the wrong, anything that was wrong with the movies that they've made so far, so... Like, yeah. at least Daniel Craig, the actor. Uh, yeah, he's he's fine. He's he's fine. I, I think he's a good actor. He's fine as James Bond, is what I'm getting. I don't, I don't love his James Bond, but that's just because I think I... Just because I'm growing up with so many other James Bonds that I really picture as the character. I really like him as James Bond. Yeah, I really like Casino Royale. He was so good in it. I actually watched and like the second half of it last night. So good. The the whole torture scene is incredible. Oh yeah. It is absurd. I love it. Um, I have an itch. It chapter two is gonna be two hours and forty five minutes. Yep. How do you feel about that? And also, like, apparently they're going to be do a full director's cut because they're like, we have, like, four hours of movie. And we, we feel bad about cutting any of it, but no, this is way too long. Right, but we, we kind of have to, yeah. <laughs> no, that, that's, that's fair. Um, that's, a, that's long. That's, that's long for a, a movie. I like long movies. That's very long for a hard It's movie, definitely right? long for a full wide release in 2019. That's, like, going back to, like, when sure. they used to do, like, intermissions. Well, how, how long... Well, the movie that we just watched was two hours and 40 minutes. We'll get into that. Um, no, that movie is definitely an exception in a lot of ways. 
That's true. What about Nolan's movies? They're they're up there, aren't they? Are they like the two twenty range? No, I think they've mostly been like a tight two two twenty. Maybe two, maybe yeah. Inception yeah. was two and a half. I didn't see Interstellar still, so yeah, Interstellar's Interstellar's a long one. Um, I I don't care. I like I love a long movie. Uh, granted, if they can keep my attention, right? Like if they, it has to be well written and well directed, obviously. Well, I definitely but, don't love all long movies, but um, I'm not opposed to a long movie if it's good. Yeah, I'm. I don't care for when people see that information and just get like annoyed. Like, ugh, I'm not gonna watch that because it's too long. It's like, what do you just just go away? <laughs> you know, like just then then you you just if you you love movies or you don't love movies. Yeah, right? yeah. Two of my three favorite movies of all time are three plus hour long movies. So, two of your three. So that's Cloud Atlas. Yep. The the. The second Lord of the Rings movie. Yep, those are both three-hour movies. And the third movie is not. No, but it's like probably about two fifteen or so. Is that the, de- the, the Departed? Departed. Yeah, I was gonna say that's up there. It's definitely not sure. three hours though. No, it's not. It's not. It's a. Uh, it it'll 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 take hours and years off your life just because of the, <laughs> it's, because of the 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 trauma that you'll be put through. But uh, no. Um, yeah, I, I I like a good a movie that I'm excited to see. When I hear when I hear something like that, like oh, it's two hours and forty five minutes, I get very excited about that. I don't get like oh, I mean, Endgame, like Jesus, like <laughs> you know, long ass movie, uh, Fair. very good long ass movie. One uh, twice in one weekend is didn't even feel didn't even feel that bad. Yikes! But uh, yeah, two hours and forty five for it could be interesting. I I don't know. I, that, that's gonna be interesting to be that tense because I, I as it's a horror movie. It's not like overly scary, in my opinion, to like other things that I've seen. But I'm still that tension is still there, and that that's really what kills me in those movies is like the the long stretches of something not happening where you're just like, just do it already, uh, because like just just scare me and move on uh, is is what uh, that that's what hurts. But doing that for their two hours and forty five minutes will be very interesting. I'm very excited. I also want to kind of curious now about this director's cut that you're talking about and how, when that'll be released and how that'll go down. I imagine it'll be on the like disc release of the movie. Yeah, I don't think they're planning on doing it. Uh, maybe they'll choose to do it in a couple of small screenings or whatever, but I don't think that's the case. Cause I think it's going to be like down the line. Um, yeah. but I will say that that one scene that's been like making the rounds on the trailer that was pretty scary um, with the whole where she goes into the house of the old lady and shit like that oh god that, that you mean the four minute trailer yeah <laughs> yeah that was that was too much too much <laughs> um, I saw a bunch of of trailers recently that uh, I mean we did this last week also but a bunch of newer of new trailers that I hadn't seen before that so I'm going to go through some of these. I'm not sure if you've seen any of them. Um, some of them I will be sending to you to actually look after if you haven't. But uh, 1917, have you heard of this movie? I have not heard of it. Two young Brit- This is from IMDb. Two young British soldiers during the First World War are given an impossible mission. Deliver a message deep in enemy territory that will stop their own men and Blake's own brother from walking straight into a deadly trap. Uh, what's amazing about this movie is the trailer is incredibly cut. Really? You need to watch the trailer for this movie because it is it gives me those Nolan vibes. Uh it hits that that similar like soundtrack 
as well to get that feeling out of it. Like the also like highs and lows, like all, like really good storytelling without giving anything away through the trailer. Like it's a it's a really well done trailer, and I feel like those are few and far between. Okay. They're either giving you way too much or nothing. This is like a this is selling the movie to me in a really great way. Well, I gotta look it up now because I gotta know. Have, I gotta have some context. Oh, Sam Mendes. Yeah, Sam Mendes is directing it. He directed mm-hmm. one or two of the Bond movies. Let's see. He directed a couple of the Craig Bond movies. Oh, okay, okay, very cool. Benedict Cumberbatch, Richard Madden, Mark Strong, Colin Firth, Spectre, Skyfall. Interesting. Jarhead, Road to Perdition. Interesting. American Beauty. Oh, I didn't realize he did American Beauty. Yeah. But yeah, if you guys get a chance, you should check that trailer out because I am very happy with the way that is cut. This is an interesting uh, cast. I'm, yeah. I'm interested. Another trailer that I saw recently was a second trailer for Ad Astra. Have you seen any trailers for this? Oh, I, I saw the I it. saw the first one. I didn't know there was a new one out. Um, the one with. Tommy Lee Jones in the trailer? I don't know. Whichever the first trailer was, I know I saw it. Okay. Because there was one trailer. The first trailer that I saw, I was like, what is this? Um, I didn't... I got nothing out of it. The second trailer was a lot deeper. Uh, a little bit more of the story. Trying to get... Getting a hint of where it's going. And then... I don't even think Tommy Lee Jones was mentioned or on screen or referenced even his character at all in the first trailer that I saw. Which was very confusing. Well, he plays his dad. Yeah. So, um, that... I'm... I'm I, I love a good space movie. Uh, I'm, I'm a fan of the space movie. I still want to see I, that one that I mentioned to you a few weeks ago when we were when we went to Best Buy. Um, the one with Robert Pattinson. Yes. What was that called? I don't remember, but I know the movie, and if I see the title, I'll remember it. <laughs> space movie. <laughs> space movie with Robert Pattinson. Well, because the thing is, I saw it like on the rack of like new releases, and I was like, is that that movie? And I looked up closer, and I was like, it is that movie, but I don't remember what it's called now. Uh, Liv Tyler making her return to space movie. Oh. Um. Making her return to space movie? <laughs> John Ortiz. Oh. My, uh, <laughs> my aunt's brother-in-law's? My, my brother's... <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, again, another, another trailer. Very, like, very, like, 80s sci-fi vibe I got from... From the shots in that trailer, so I'm I'm excited for that. Love that that look and feel. Love that again, the instrumental tone that's being taken in in the trailer sounds awesome, and it's like it hits all the notes that I'm <laughs> notes that I'm interested in. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and like I said, big I, I, I love I love a good space movie. I like just getting lost. Uh, weirdly enough, I'm pretty sure I said this to you before. I got lost in the cosmos of my beer <laughs> before this. <laughs> I like getting lost in that within, and that's probably one of the reasons why Interstellar is just one of those top ten movies. And why, why we just... jumped at the opportunity to do astronomy mid recording? Right, exactly. Um, I a looked little... up the movie, and it was High Life was the Robert Hat Pattinson movie. Nice. I'll have to check that out. Um, have you seen the trailer for The Irishman? Oh, yes. Yes, I did see it. I first, it took me a while to finally see it, but yes. Thoughts? Um, I still don't get the hype. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a, I mean, and just, I'm a Scorsese fan. Yeah. It's just like a bunch of, a bunch of like OGs back together. Like, I think like that's there's no me. way this movie is going to be good or justify the ridiculous length of time it's taken to make it and the amount of money they spent on it. Well, it's, well... 
let's let's set the bar there going in, and we might actually enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. I, I, I I'm interested. I'm wary. This is exactly the type of movie that when you watch the lifespan of how it's made, you just have to kind of say, mm-hmm. "There's no way this works out." Did it also go through the Netflix? Uh, Generator. Oh, well, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think Scorsese would allow himself to, to direct they by turn, numbers. They turned the knobs to, like, late 80s and mafia, and, and it just spit out all of these things that need to be done. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's, I'm, I'm curious. I actually... I mean, I'm curious just because it's so ridiculous, but... It is ridiculous. Also, it's going to be on Netflix, so I don't have to, like, do anything. True. I might, I might, I might go to the theater for it, though, just because... Kind of, I, I like that it's in, that it will be in both. So something awesome happened. Okay. When I went to see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Go on. Um. So I not to say that the hype wasn't there, but there was something missing from it before, and I don't know what it was, or maybe it was just the time because there was other things happening. It was me. But it was you. Uh. <laughs> but we're sitting there, and I screen goes black after one of the previews, and. It, I start to hear the breathing and like my heart started racing and I started getting chills and then they, and then you see Ray's face and it was, it was the first, I got that old familiar feeling about Star Wars that I feel like I didn't get the last few times I saw the teaser, the trailer or teaser, whatever trailer teaser. What is it? (laughs) Is it a a teaser? I mean, it's technically a teaser, but it's a full-length trailer. It's a long teaser, yeah. (laughs) But, I like, again, I was very excited. Obviously, I'm excited for it. But I hadn't gotten that feeling of, like, like full-body chills. Like, oh my god, another Star Wars is happening. But for some reason, I don't know, mix, like, the atmosphere, the the time, whatever it was, this particular time. It's the same teaser that I've seen a hundred times, but it got me. And I was just like... It dawned on me how close <laughs> this is, and I'm starting to freak out. <laughs> the anticipation, you might say, is rising. <laughs> Tantric teaser? And I don't know how to deal with it. <laughs> if only there was an article or some guide. <laughs> um, I'm going to need a volume two. <laughs> <laughs> but, man, I am so excited. I am so excited. I, I just I'm, said that the other day, too. I was like, man. Star Wars is getting kind of close, man. I'm getting mm-hmm. fucking pumped for this. Yeah, yeah, it's happening. It's ha- like that's like now that's the- there were so many things on the horizon. I think that's what the problem was, and yeah. now that's what's on the horizon. Well, also it's it was like, like nine months away at that point. Right, right. And now and it's he, like uh, four. So that got me, and I was just like, I was riding that high through the entire movie. Oh my so god, it, it's <laughs> still four more months. It felt like it was closer. Ah, that'll that'll go by in no time. So I mean, it, it goes without saying, but like. Man, uh, it's going to be so good. And then stupid little things are like popping into my head now. Like when I see the trailer, like the mention of the lightsabers being lighter. And then and then watching her flipping around with the lightsaber, I was like, it does look lighter. <laughs> like, no, it doesn't. But, <laughs> but it does. <laughs> anyway, uh, are we going to get, we're going to get one more probably, right? Like one more cut up? Yeah. Um, like real trailer? We'll, we'll get one in a month or so because... This football season's coming around, and they always do one on Monday Night Football. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then the tickets go on sale that night, usually? It goes... I think it goes at halftime when they... On halftime of that Monday Night game, when they play the trailer, tickets go up right after the trailer comes out, I think. Okay. All right. So I'll have to, I'll have to be on that. Um, 
Yeah, you obviously. will. Yeah. This time, this time, not after the fact. No, that was. How did that happen? <laughs> I don't even. I don't even know. Uh, but we ended up having a good experience with the movies anyway, so it was fun. Yeah. Uh, last trailer that I want to mention. Uh, so I was like, new trailer for Little Monsters, and I was like, the Harry Mandel movie from <laughs> like, is this a re-release? <laughs> What's going on here? Uh, not at all related. Uh, have you ever seen that movie? No, I don't think uh, so. So it was, I think, Harry Mandel and uh, Ben and Fred Savage, and uh, it's basically monsters live under the bed. They come out and scare you, but there's a whole world under there, and you can go through, like, through the floor of the bed into this monster world. It was the whole weird thing. Uh, I, I loved that movie when I was a kid. It's probably something that should have freaked me out a little bit because it is very creepy, but it didn't. Instead, <laughs> I, instead I, I adored it. Don't know why. But anyway, I saw this and the title caught my attention because of that. And then I looked at the trailer and it is absurd. Oh, yeah. Again, the IMDb synopsis. A washed up musician teams up with a teacher and a kid shows personality to protect young children from a sudden outbreak of zombies. Now, this is Lupita Nyong'o and Josh Gad. Are like what a weird are, pairing. It's a wild combination, and if you gotta watch the the trailer, it has like the, it has like an indie movie vibe, with the, a very like dark humor, mixed in with like some of the the fun and gags of Zombieland. Okay. Like like throw all that in a pot and stir, and this is the movie you get, and there are some genuinely funny clips going on. It seems like. At the end of the day, it might be one of those things where the funny stuff was in the trailer. We'll have to see when it comes out. But I, I find Josh Gad to be hysterical. So some of his outbursts in in the trailer are, are wonderful. I'm it's sorry. Worth, I've it's been, worth checking out. I'm sorry. I've been caught up on you saying Lupita Nyong'o and, and Josh Gad. And I'm thinking of those those series of videos where Josh Gad was trying to... When they were on the set oh my of, God. of um, Murder on the Orient Express. And he was trying to get Daisy Ridley to spill the beans on... The Last Jedi, and because Lupita Nyong'o's so, been in them, so good. That uh, the best one of all of them, though, is him. His is him getting Dame Judi Dench, yes, to grill her about. It. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was some incredible marketing, right there. Oh yeah, that was it was really fun to watch, and he he's just so is he he's just so funny and lovable. Yeah, he's he's great. Um, but anyway, that movie looks absurd, and uh, I want to see it. I I can go for another. I was gonna say I can go for another comedy zombie movie. We are getting to. It's one of those deep impact Dante's Peak situations. But you mean um, deep impact Armageddon? Yeah, a hundred percent. Dante's Peak Peak volcano. volcano. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. All four of those movies. (laughs) Yeah, I guess it was. We should do those movies. It's funny because those were in like a time where like. The, like disaster movies were for whatever reason a cottage industry because like yeah. those two couplets of movies happened within the same two or three year span. Yeah, for sure. That that's weird. What's the one which of the volcano movies is it where the guy is like basically melting in front of his family? Was that was that Dante Speak? Um I never saw all of them. I know them. I have a fifty fifty shot here, but <laughs> it's uh it's one of those scenes that haunts me. There's and I don't definitely a haunting melting scene in Volcano, but it's not it in is. front of his family, it's in front of his coworkers. Mm, that could be it. It's the spoiler for a movie that came out twenty three years ago, guys. Um there is a like train spoiler, somebody dies because of the volcano. Yeah. Is that um, is that what you're getting at? <laughs> Well, I meant more of the specifics. There was a, like, subway trapped, and the lava was going through the subway tunnels. 
and uh-huh. the train like locked up and everyone passed out because it was like super hot in there and they were locked in the doors and they like break into the thing and they get all the people out and they couldn't find the conductor and the, the guy who's leading the crew finds him like slumped at the controls at the front of the train but as he's found it the lava is now under the train that's right and he's trying okay. to run out with the guy on his shoulders yep. and by the time he gets to the back door the lava has already passed it so he jumps with the guy on his shoulders and throws him beyond the lava and all the guys grab the guy and he just slowly melts into the thing yeah yeah that's it that's the exact scene it's yep. terrifying it's it is it's uh it's up there with quicksand it's <laughs> it's, it's it's tough to watch tough to watch that was it for the new trailers that I had. Um, I did want to ask you, because I have something for this, is what we're watching. Oh, okay. So what are you watching? <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> oh, that's my cue. You like you wanted to ask me, but you didn't ask me. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like when you like just like half forget to say, say hello, Al, and I just wait. I wait for it. I'm not going to say yep. hello. Yeah. Not that I ever say hello, but... You give me a couple beats, you yeah. throw me off. <laughs> um, well, I just finally works. watched the finale of the latest season of Archer that actually <laughs> aired last week, but I was waiting to watch it with my brother, so... Um, it was a really good season, um, which is yeah. good because I didn't really love the last two seasons. Oh, okay. So it's like back or not? Yeah, fully? well, it's weird because it's still... Well, I don't know how much you know... I don't want to spoil it for you because I know eventually you're probably going to plan on picking it back up. But um, somewhere down the line... I don't think plot points are that important. Uh, well, that one was because they do a three-season tangent, which is very <laughs> on-brand for something that for, for this show. Uh, sure. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, what aren't you getting about this? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, so in like season at the end of season seven, Archer dies. Okay. <laughs> um, or maybe he doesn't. Um, well, so what it was, is they pick up in the eighth season, he's in a coma. And then it like goes into his head. And the whole rest of the season, they reorganize the whole cast around oh my God. a... Because that, that se- the season before had taken place in L.A. And like, like around Hollywood. And so this mm-hmm. season, that season after it, the whole thing is him like having like a coma dream about all of them being part of this like... Like World War Two era, or I guess right after World War Two era, like L.A. noir drama. Right. It's like really not a comedy at all. Like there's like some funny stuff in it, but it's really like a serious noir. It's like darker. Yeah, it's like super dark. It's like like meant oh to follow God. like this like one of those like you know comic book type you know things or like those old black mm-hmm. and white like mystery like things. Like he plays a private detective. Yeah. His the first episode, his partner is murdered. And he's trying to figure out who killed it, and he's caught between two different, like, mob bosses and all this stuff. And it's crooked cops and everything. And <clears throat> then the next season happens, and it's, like, an Inception thing where it's, like, further into the dream. And it's all of them reorganized into, like, a pre-World War II, like, Indiana <laughs> Jones-style, like, adventure, like, serial. Oh, my God. And they're, like, in, like, some South... Pacific like island or like Samoan type <laughs> island, and like him and he's like a like a I don't know, not a smuggler but like he like is a pilot who like is like a like a freight pilot. Okay. And like the 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 Nazis and like the Americans are like kind of starting or the British maybe I forget uh, we're trying to like kind of vie for the the favor of like the natives on the island that they're on or whatever and 
And then that that one ends with like Archer falling into some lava, actually, coincidentally. Oh my god. And <laughs> he wakes up what and timing? the final ninety seconds of that season is him they do basically the the exact opening scene of Alien. <laughs> and and they make they crack a joke like, Oh god, we're doing this one now. <laughs> and it, yeah, so this whole That's season is great. basically it's not been strict to like Alien, although it's very heavily inspired by that, but there's uh, like a, a healthy dash of like some Star Wars and some other like sci-fi things. Um, That's and fun. this whole the whole season has got along with that. And I won't say how this season ended in case anyone hasn't seen it yet. My show that show is bananas. I do. I, I should give it its due diligence. It's um, I love it so much. Those episodes are what they're like 20, 20 plus minutes. Yeah, right? They're not yeah, they're not hour standard, long. Like like cable like comedy is. Yeah, but like, but half hour slot, not hour slot. Yeah, no, because it's like an animated oh, okay. comedy. It's yeah, whatever. 20, uh, well, yeah, you never know. Twenty three, twenty six minutes, whatever it is. That's definitely something that I should I should pick up so that I have like the uh, when I'm not quite ready to fall asleep, I could just do like twenty minutes of that. And then, yeah, and it's only like ten episode seasons. So. Right now, I'm I'm finishing up. Uh, I I never finished the last season of Arrow, so I've been finishing that up. There's only I think I only have two episodes left. Well, I've been um, watching Shit's Creek, so. Excellent. And how's that going? Very good. It, it that show just grows. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a steady climb. It's I very much enjoy it. Yeah, How far into it are you? I think I'm on the finale of season two. Okay. Oh, okay. So you, I mean, you're not even getting into it, that show. Only gets better. Yeah. It's it's really fun to watch. But I will say the th- what the things. Yeah. No, it's been cracking me up. I was a little hesitant. The the the. The pilot I didn't really love, um, mm-hmm. but starting right with Typical. the second episode, it starts cracking me up, like, basically yeah. every episode, so. Um, but, um, yeah, no, um, I, that's... That's his sister. Get your mind out of the gutter. Oh, my God. I started actually rewatching <laughs> uh, the first few episodes with uh, with Dominic and Emily, and uh-huh. um, that was the last one we watched. Oh, my God. I, I, so just, I just don't get what you... What's the problem? It looks like <laughs> your grandfather is fucking your grandmother in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, it's it's just everything about the show is so charming. I don't know what I just love it. Well, that one it. notwithstanding. No, well, sure. <laughs> the characters are great though. Yeah, um, and the chemistry is fantastic. No, I've I've definitely been enjoying it. Um, so I'm looking forward to see where it all goes. Um, but um, I'm more interested in what I'm about to be watching um, because this Sunday season two of Succession starts up. I don't even know what that show is. Have oh, you talked about that? I feel like I've probably mentioned it to you because I know I've mentioned it to a few people, but I don't know anyone else who watches it. Um, it the first season aired last summer on HBO. Okay. And so it's kind of loosely. There's a whole backstory to how the show was made. I can't think of the name of the guy who created the show, but apparently he did like a long form documentary. It was going to be a movie, then it was going to be a show, then it was going to be like. A limited series on HBO or something like that, and it was supposed to be on Rupert Murdoch and his family and News Corp and all that stuff. Okay. And they basically found a way to completely blackball it where no one would actually air it. So he like never got it like shot and made or whatever. Or maybe they started shooting mm. like a pilot or something like that, and like it just like basically died on the vine. So he basically just like changed some names and reorganized it, and it became nice. season one of Succession. <laughs> where it's like it's pretty freaking obvious who they're referring to in all of this even though it's all a fictionalized thing and it's a new 
They should totally, like, and in the series finale, just turn to the camera and be like, to be clear, this character is so-and-so. Well, I think that's how you get sued, but, um, uh, yeah, so it's Brian Cox, you know Brian Cox? Mm-hmm. Um, he plays the Murdoch character, um, who's, uh, in the very first episode of the first season, he has, like, a stroke or something like that. And the whole rest of the season is everyone vying for their own little bit of real estate. And so he has, like, he has three sons and one daughter. The two of the sons and the daughter are all from the same mother. And then the first son um, is half-brother to the rest of them. Um, And so it follows, you know, Brian Cox, the four kids. One of their, he's not like, he's not their first cousin, I don't think. But he's some sort of second cousin or something like that. Um, And the daughter's soon-to-be husband. They get married towards the end of the first season. Um, and it's, like, all of them, like, scrambling for control of this, like, fiefdom in, like, um, like American, <laughs> like, mega corporations. Like, they're all, you know, right. billionaires and everything like that. And they're all just the worst. Every one of them. <laughs> the worst! Yeah, with, maybe with the exception of Greg the Egg. Um, but he's still also, by the end, pretty bad. <laughs> Uh, let's just, I'm just gonna have to write that down so I can cut that clip out of context. Greg Gregg? <laughs> Who's just generally really bad. <laughs> um, yeah, no, so it's a really, really good show. It's like, it's basically, actually, you know what the, I, I had been thinking about it, I was like, it's basically a drama, but there's a lot of comedy, but I wouldn't really call it. When I saw someone, like, say something and I should have made the association myself, but I was having trouble with it, and it clicked for me, it's... A black comedy. It actually, in a, in some ways, reminds me a little bit of the death of Stalin. Okay. Um, where it's like they can just go from serious to funny, but the funny is usually fucked up and like all you know. What I mean, some of the fu- I'll have to yeah. send you a clip if I haven't already sent it to you or showed it to you. Um, if anyone who's interested, look up the closed loop system. Um, you will get a the good closed laugh. Closed loop system. You will okay. get it. Just don't watch it at work, guys. It's bad. Um, oh God. <laughs> well. If you're watching it at work, just make sure you have headphones in because, um, actually, now that I think about it, I think my cousin Mike, hey Mike, um, I think my cousin hey, Mike, I think Mike watches Succession. I think we might have talked about it a little bit last summer not, now that I'm thinking about it, but I think he's the only person I've talked to who's, who, that I know who's watched it, but it was Mike like, watches the things. It was you can a, count on him to watch the things. Yeah. Um, especially like, you know, high quality HBO stuff. Um. It's not TV. Yeah. HBO. Um, <laughs> it's, no, it's, it's really, really good. Um. You should check it out if you get a, a minute. You know, it's, it's only been one season, the second season starting this week, so. Cool. Sounds good to me. I, so I just finished the series finale of Orange is the New Black today. Oh, okay. Uh, there are, there are a lot of emotions <laughs> right now. It was a, it's, it's a very, it was a very good finale. I feel like a lot of times the show goes on for a long time you get whatever, whatever wait, they're like seven seasons then I think it was or six whatever, seven I, I think believe, seven sounds or, right and it's like they kind of taper off right like they don't really not a lot of I, I just feel like it, there's a lot of times when you're talking about a show that you love so much and then it ends and you're just like mm, like yeah it was it was good it was good enough but the ending of this I thought was really fitting for what they were doing I feel like the entire time they're trying to send a message. I think they send that message. Um, it's not all. It's not all happy-go-lucky. Like you might want certain things to end up. It's actually very sad, very dark. But there's a lot of very real 
bits to how it ends, and it's it, I I just thought that it was really well executed, and and I there was I, I, I'm gonna be honest with you, a couple tears rolled halfway through that episode. It was it was heavy, and um, it's totally it, it, it's I believe it's worth the watch. Really, I didn't know that you were into that show like that. I have no idea actually. Uh, you know, I'm gonna be honest with you. It's not. It hasn't always been. I, I've always I've been entertained by the show before, but I thought this this final season in particular was tremendous. Okay. Yeah. No, I just don't think I've ever heard you mention it before. I know my sister watched I think, it. I think I started when maybe like the third season was on. So okay. Like, Kim had watched it, and then like she was like, "It's worth it." It's like, all right. And then we, we sat down, but we had like a backlog, and we got through it all really quickly. And then the fourth, fifth, fourth, like through now, I think we I watched as it came out. Okay. But uh, man, it was it was it was a, a it was a really well done close to the story. But they I thought they executed it really just tremendously. I mean, I will say uh, from what little I know of the show, it didn't seem like the type of show to end in sunshine and rainbows. So, mm-hmm. yeah, they they definitely like they definitely lead you to think that it might in certain situations. But they for every good thing, they like they give you something like real and heavy to go along with it and it's i think that's a there's a nice balance there they'll do a really good job in that show of cutting the tension just when they need to so that you just don't spiral into depression like they Uh, something horrible will happen and then when they cut to another scene it's something very ridiculous like just to kind of break that which is very helpful with something with like topics that are so serious okay it's uh i I think they do a good job there um that's that's what I what just finished watching. Uh, Scrubs is still going. Nice. Um, Where are you at with Scrubs? Uh, it's it's still in the first season. I'm watching it like an episode here, an episode there. Like while we watch while we eat dinner or while we do something else. It's just so. Uh, well, there is a lot of episodes. So. Yeah, it's a uh, it's it's a uh, they're lengthy seasons. Well, is it 22, uh, 24, something like that? Something like that. Yeah. So. Do you have any other news and nuggets? Um, yeah, actually. I have one, okay. one short one that we really don't even have to discuss more than just I'm going to mention it in case you hadn't seen it. Um, <clears throat> apparently, I believe Dune finished shooting its principal photography, but oh, they I, also I that. pushed back the release date. Yeah, what was that about? I, I read that, but I don't remember what the reasoning was. I, I'm not sure if I even caught the reasoning. I just found that to be interesting. Yeah, that's uh, that's strange. Well, usually that- usually that news goes along with like, bad news but it, they also said they were done shooting it so it's probably fine then yeah uh it's when does it come out well i think it was supposed to come out next summer but it's going to come back it's going to come out in like the fall or early 2021 now oh interesting that's that is did they that's strange is that that's not common right um i mean there's been some things like that i mean they didn't they do that with the last jedi did they? Or, no, yeah, yeah, they did, right? No, because that came out... Yeah, but originally I think it was supposed to come out in May. Oh. And they pushed it back six months, and I think it was... Into, into the right time slot? That yeah. Makes sense. Um. <laughs> but then they didn't do the same thing with the Solo movie. <laughs> yeah. Nah. Oh, interesting. Um, are you interested in that movie? I am. Um, I, I don't know why. I think just because I like... The director and the cast and everything. Sure. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I I am interested, even though I've never seen the original one. I, I do want to. You are, are you going to try to see the original before seeing? Yeah, well, I have plenty of time now. 
Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> uh, so, so, so we'll plan on that for a year and a half. We'll do a double feature <laughs> episode. Or whatever. Uh... <laughs> awesome. We could do a three and a half hour um, episode that's very respectful to our listeners. That's right. That's right. Where we definitely talk about the movie. Uh, do you have any other news and nuggets? <laughs> it's good. Oh, no. See, I think the movie was actually scheduled to come out on my birthday in 2020. Oh, okay. Instead and it just got the hell out of the way because you're going to be busy that day. Exactly. Um, I got it. I got it. Oh, I was going to I'm going to be busy that day because I'm going to be turning 30. <laughs> you're so old. <laughs> well, I will be, uh, well, I will be then. Um, hey. But now I think it's getting close to <laughs> early 2021, but I don't see the date. What else you got? Um, concerning odd news. Oh. Um, from Disney. You know, they had, like, one of their big earnings calls or something like that. Uh-huh. Um, or, you know, like, shareholders calls, whatever, same thing. Um, hang on a second. My computer's messing with me. I'm trying to expand this because it's tiny. Um, if you're fed up it's with... This is from, uh, <laughs> this is from, uh, NBC News, um, by Daniel Arkin from yesterday. Uh, okay. if, if you're fed up with remakes, you're not likely to be pleased with Disney's plans to take on Netflix. But if you'd like to see an unsupervised child fend off a home invasion for the sixth time in 29 years, you're lucky. In an earnings call Tuesday, Disney CEO Bob Iger announced that the company plans to reboot Home Alone, a franchise it scooped up after its $71.3 billion acquisition of 20th Century Fox mm-hmm. for its upcoming streaming service, Disney+. Where Aren't else? they rebooting something else, Well, too? that's why I'm reading it like this. Oh, okay. Well, in my newscaster voice, but still. Um, <laughs> well, my mm, slightly buzzed newscaster voice? I don't know. We're, we're also focused on leveraging Fox's vast library of great titles to further enrich the content mix on our direct-to-consumer platforms, Iger said on the call, during which he also revealed plans to reboot Fox franchises Night at the Museum, Diary of a Wimpy Kid, right. and Cheaper by the Dozen for, quote-unquote, a new generation. It was not immediately clear if the reboots would end up as feature-length films or series. Disney Plus, slated to debut in November, will feature movies and shows from Disney's sprawling catalog of animated favorites, as well as popular titles from Pixar, the Star Wars saga, the Marvel Universe, and National Geographic. The news about Home Alone stirred up mixed feelings on Twitter, where scores of users pleaded with Disney to keep its hands off the 1990 original, and fans posted gifts of Macaulay Culkin to express their dismay. Yeah, don't. I, I I think you should leave certain things alone. That in particular, because that should you need to go back and watch that as an adult and go, wow, what a shitty kid. Like that's that's what you get out of that movie now, and uh, I don't want to lose that. <laughs> well, I will say this: the tweet from Macaulay Culkin where he said this is what an updated Home Alone would actually uh, look like. That Did picture. You? Yep. Yeah, it's it's rough. It's a rough picture. <laughs> I'm glad that he can now laugh at himself. Like I'm glad mm-hmm. that he's in a good enough place that he can laugh at himself for how ridiculous he's become in the last 20 years. Yeah. That's good. It's a good place. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Night at the Museum is another interesting thing to reboot. Like, just... Is it, though? Like, but, like, why? Well, yeah, that's more what I was getting at. Oh, no, like, uh, it, just, it just seems like a bizarre choice. Like, it's, 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 it's fine. It's fun. It's entertaining enough. Like... Why? Like why? Why is that the, the well you're going back to? It's I very guess I could understand a reboot of that, but well, I guess they said reboot, didn't they? I'm gonna say because are we really gonna remake Home Alone? Like if they just decide they want to do another new one or whatever. Like if they're gonna do it, do the thing where it's like 
this time Kevin accidentally forgets his kid or something like that, and it's Macaulay Culkin as an adult. I I, I might I would probably get on board with that. Uh, at least there's something there to that. And because, like if I they're just gonna to remake up, this whole thing, like the whole idea I of to a grow remake up into the crappy person that that kid would have become. Yeah, <laughs> and then see that movie. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just I don't like. I think they're overusing the whole remake thing. I'm not opposed sure. to remakes sure. on the surface. Um, but for me, a remake should be either, hey, this was a cool idea and it didn't work out, or like it didn't like have the reach. Like, you know, it's like one of those things where like some director saw this movie when they were a kid and it's like, oh, like no one I've ever spoken to has even heard of this movie. Let me right. remake it for a modern audience and get it to a wider release. Or, hey, this thing has a really great idea, but the effects at the time it was made were so bad, it would look so much better if I could do it now. Those are the only mm-hmm. two reasons that a movie should be remade. And, yeah. like, the embargo on that should be longer than, like, 20 or 30 years. You know what I mean? Like, we should be talking about, like, you shouldn't really be remaking stuff that came out, like, 1990 and on, which, like, Home Alone uh, came out in 1990. Yeah, yeah it is, it's, it's strange. Um, like, I... I'm more forgiving of it. I'm not I, I, a fresh idea. I'm old, I'm okay with. I do love. I do like if it's a thing I really love. I'm. I'm usually. I don't, usually don't get upset about it. I usually just watch it just because it's like oh, more of the thing I like. Uh, I really enjoy remakes with video games. I like when they're brought up to date. They feel a little bit tighter. They they tighten. They tighten it, and um, I don't know that. Like I, I I'm 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 okay with remakes. It's just like. I think I need to be shown the thing or the concept of what it can be because if I just hear that, like, like a reboot of Home Alone, I'm I'm immediately gonna go, why? Like, you, you didn't? It wasn't three you trying that, and it it was just horrible. Like, what what are we doing? Uh, just leave it alone. It's fine. Like, there's nothing. I don't know. There's just that that. But again, if you have a great idea, you have something really interesting you want to do. I think you need to lead with that. I understand that in the time that we're in, you're going to get this information so fast that you will hear the title before you know what it's about. So they, they may have that. They may have a reason to do it. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I won't fully dismiss it until I see a trailer. The problem is a lot of these things, I wonder if they do it just to hold on to the trademarks. It isn't. There, there's got to be other ways to deal with that, though. I don't know. That seems like a very expensive way to hold on to a trademark. Well... There was a lot of speculation that that was what happened with the Garfield Spider-Man. Oh. Uh, and, the, and, the, and the Fantastic and Four. And the Fantastic Four, yes. Trainwreck, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's true. But I guess if, if there's, depending on how those deals are written, like whatever the language yeah, is. Yeah, those, de- those deals, a certain amount of them had to be made over a certain amount of time. Otherwise, they would revert back to Marvel, which is now owned by Disney, and Sony didn't want Disney to have it, so. Right. Right. Weird. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, what other news and nuggets you got? Um, I think, do I have one more? Um, I don't know. I'm, I lost my notes page. Um, no, <laughs> that, that was it for me. All right, this is great because I'm going to do a reading segment. Ooh, you're going to do a reading. Uh, I am, and it's going to be a little bit different from yours. I'm not going to read you the bulk of the article. I'm going to read you the title. I'm going to let that title marinate. And then I'm going to read one excerpt. And then it's going to be on the listener to decide if they want to read any more. Uh, spoiler alert. You will. <laughs> All right, so uh, here's the title of the article from The Hollywood Reporter. 
Nicolas Cage explains his dinosaur skull fiasco and hunt for the literal holy grail. Oh my gosh, I heard this on the Levitard show. <laughs> Did you really? Yes, um, although it was today's show, I think, and I didn't get to listen to the whole thing yet because I don't get to listen live anymore since I started my new job. Oh my god. Unless I'm in the car for six hours, which sometimes happens. Fair enough. <laughs> Uh, so, well, then allow me to read the excerpt. Well, uh, well, it, well basically it, what I heard was that some guy profiled... Was it Dave Marchese? Is that the guy who wrote this? Uh, Ryan Parker? Uh, well, I think that must be a, like a covering what this guy wrote, like a long-form profile be. of Nicolas Cage. And they were teasing that they were going to have the guy who wrote the profile on the show. And okay. he was saying... Yeah, he profiled him, including... His metaphorical and literal search for the Holy Grail. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, now, allow me to read you this one quote. This is a Nicholas Cage quote. Quote, The dinosaur skull was an unfortunate thing, because I did spend $276,000 on that, he told the magazine. Uh, he told the magazine's David... What did you say? Marchese. There it is. David Marchese. I bought it at a legitimate auction and found out it was abducted from Mongolia illegally. And then I had to give it back. Of course it should be awarded to its country of origin, but who knew? Plus I never got my money back, so that stank. End quote. <laughs> yeah, that's why he makes ten movies a year. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Gotta get those dinosaur skull money. Those di- that dinosaur skull money. Well, I mentioned to you on the show before, I've talked about it, right? The Which again, I heard, for some reason the Levitard show is obsessed with the insanity of Nicolas Cage. Um, sure. And, As we all are. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how can you not be? Um, I told you the story, right, about him buying that house in New Orleans. Yeah. <laughs> Stuff like that. He has to. He owns like a castle in Scotland too. Yeah. Like, they, they told they told us that story on the ghost tour that I went on. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. Oh, that's right, because you were in New Orleans. Yeah. <laughs> Absurd. Uh, I encourage you to read the rest of it. It's it's. Uh... It's a good read. Well, I want to read. I want to read the profile that Marchese wrote too. Yeah, which I'm sure this is referencing that. Yeah. Um, what an what an interesting man. Yeah, that Nicholas Cage. Uh, I hear his name and I just see the ridiculous face off face. Like that's like immediately what pops into mind. Um, I the one I always think of is the one that always turns up in gift form. And up until like three weeks ago, I didn't even know what it was referencing to. And it was Vampire's Kiss. Hmm. I don't know if you saw the movie or even heard of the movie. No. Well, I'm sure I've like, seen the GIF. I'll have to find the Ringer article from a few weeks ago about it. Um, it was about like the making of that movie, and it was okay. Literally, pun intended, batshit crazy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that. <laughs> that. Um, uh, did I tell you that Matt Berry voiced? It uh, was a guest uh, star in one of the episodes of the season of Archer. No. <laughs> he, he voiced a living weapon of mass destruction. <laughs> Wonderful. Named, mis- named Mr. Deadly. <laughs> Who could only achieve his one true purpose in life of, you know, detonating by someone else giving him the order to detonate. And he spends the entire episode trying to get someone to get him to detonate. Oh my god. And also, if he gets... That's a good shtick. If he gets killed, he will also detonate. Because one of them, like... Well, that's the, exactly how the shtick like plays out because he goes, "Yes, I will need one of you to say the words, please detonate." <laughs> and they're all looking around, and they all turn and look at Cheryl, 
And they all immediately tackle her and, like, cover her mouth. (laughs) (laughs) That's excellent. Oh, man. Well, Nicholas Cage aside, shall we get into our flick of the week? Yeah, I guess. Once upon a time, dot, 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 in Hollywood. Et cetera, et cetera. Titles, From titles. IMDb, a faded television actor and his stunt double strive to achieve fame and success in the film industry during the final years of Hollywood's golden age in 1969, Los Angeles. Uh, nice. This is a long one, this movie, and I really enjoyed it. What, how did you feel about this? I know, I feel like you're a, you're a, like, you're on the fence, I feel like, with Quentin Tarantino. Am I? Yeah, I've said I've said that, that my my yeah. r- my running thesis for a while now, and I've seen all of Django, all of both Kill Bills. Mm-hmm. Am I missing one that I've seen all of? I've seen Glorious Bastards. I no, I've seen the first like three or four chapters of that. I've seen okay all sorts of. I've seen a lot of Pulp Fiction, but never all at once. So okay. I. Like, it struggled to, like, keep it properly oriented in my mind. Um, sure. I, I didn't see Hateful Eight. I, I really want to see um, Reservoir Dogs, and I just haven't gotten to it. Uh, we should... That, that'll be fun to do. That one I've always really wanted to see, and I just haven't gotten to it. And then... Yeah, um, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that one. And I never saw um, From Dust Till Dawn. Um, so, yeah, what I've said for a while now is I don't think I'm necessarily a Tarantino f- fan. I'm just a Kill Bill fan. Okay. Because I, I really, I love the first one, and there are certain sections of the second one I really love too, and, and the rest of it is fine. Um, and altogether, I like the movie, but I, I really like the first one. So, how did you feel about this movie? I don't get the hype. I just really, I don't get it. Yeah, no. It, okay. it was, it was fine. Um, yeah. I will say, talk about tightening. This, this needed more than a tighten. This needed to come out and say, lose the weight. That's interesting. Yeah, okay. Um, it Mostly in the transition from the first to second act, um, predominantly in the second act, um, they could have easily cut 20 minutes of this movie, and it would have. I probably would have enjoyed it a lot more than I did. Although I will That's... say that... It's... No, go ahead. Say it. Say I what say, you will say. Uh, I, I will say the <laughs> second I walked out of the theater, I, I thought, I'm going to need some time to think about this movie and probably sure. see it again eventually because it just was very much not what I was expecting. Hmm. Um, I was expecting more. Um, and for, oh, a movie, okay. for a movie that was two hours and 45 minutes long, I shouldn't have to say that. Um, because sure. the story was interesting enough, but there wasn't enough substance to carry that long of a fucking movie. No. Yeah, there's not... There's not a, there's, yeah, I, I I get where you're coming from, and it's really funny. I'm glad that you're saying all this because on my way out, um, I really uh, just to not to bury the lead. I I really did enjoy it. I I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, big fan. I liked where it went. I like how it was executed. Um, but that being said, everything that you're saying, I totally get. Yeah, I, the problem was, and I love movies. You love movies. You probably even yeah. love more like the movie, like the, the 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 cinema film type stuff about the movies or whatever, yep. right? Um, or like like the lore of all of that behind the camera. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this is a movie that like I know what it, like it's a love letter to Hollywood, especially the golden age and all that, and the fifties and sixties and seventies and you know which you know is impressionable youth of Tarantino and all that stuff. Like this is what he grew up watching. But this is one of those movies, like a movie that from a few years ago, Hail Caesar, where it's like, this is a movie for 
people who are absolute cinephiles and like mm. absolutely people who grew up in that time period. Like, like this is weirdly a movie that my dad would probably like a lot more than I did because he's gonna have the actual nostalgia that I don't have because I didn't grow up watching these things. Um, whereas he's gonna get a lot of the references to it. Um, but this is one of those movies for like Hollywood insiders, like mm. people who like worked in the business or grew up watching this stuff. That's that's fair because I could see I could see a level of it that is there that I don't I don't get. Um, mm-hmm. But I could like you, you know, but like you're saying, like you could see that there's something there. I I I enjoyed it a lot more. It sounds like than you did at the end. Um, I I like the way that his movie rolls on. I like. I like that he makes a meal out of every scene and how just the the frame lingers just a little bit, almost a little bit too long. I would say a little bit too long, but I actually, I, I enjoy it. When the movie's over, I might have been on the other side of it. It was like, well, I think Kim and I were talking about like how like, oh, wow. Like, wow. Like, she said she looked at her watch like in the, like probably in like that final portion of the movie and thought that there was going to be much more. Didn't think that we had gotten there yet. And well, it's definitely abrupt towards the end, right? It, well, it is. The pacing gets insane. Um, to, but I, I, I think that adds to like it's like the pressure relief valve on the tension that has built for the last two hours and ten minutes. It also feels like it was one and a half movies, not just in length, sure. but in like the first two acts. Even though I didn't love them, mm. felt consistent and coherent, and the third yeah. act feels tack, tacked onto it. It's interesting. I, I, the way that I kind of saw it was the, the in the first two, like the the first half of the movie. It's more of like that the the world establishment, the the like building the characters out, uh, trying to see where they're going, getting uh, like wondering what's the mystery here, where are we going, and then realizing that like no, we we haven't gotten to that part yet. But in this and, in this case though, a time jump of that nature and that abruptness mm-hmm. is distinctly an inelegant solution. I. I thought I actually thought it made made sense. I thought it was like they like we're going through this like uh, zoomed in piece of how these people are living their lives and what's going on in their lives, and then we are pulling out for a minute and coming back at another time just so that we can connect to a different area of it. And I I liked that. I thought that was good. I, I was feel a, like a, a that, good way to take that, that. I feel like that that time jump served like the ellipses in the title of the movie in which like I understand functionally how that works but there's something that's been cut out there you know what I mean oh interesting I don't know I, I didn't think I thought it was more of like right now like you know what's going on based on what's what you based on what we know about the characters so far based on what we know about how they've reacted to things in their careers going forward like and we we give you the 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 very strange Kurt Russell narration. Uh, you can now yeah, pick up only what's happened in between. Yeah, but like the beginning of the first Set. and beginning of the third act, which again the, the whole one and a half movies thing. Like it's 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 bizarre, and I can again I get I understand where you're coming from. I could see not I I just I just really enjoy the I think this it's a very different style uh, with pulling on a lot of like there's a lot of influences that you can pinpoint. Uh, throughout the whole Western and the Western was kind of cool. And, oh, I like, definitely liked some of the mechanics and of the movie, it, and some yeah. of these, certainly some of the sequences and scenes. But it this movie feels like too rough of a cut for a Tarantino 
movie. Like it <laughs> feels like it's lacking the overall product, not the the screen the, the scene by scene stuff, but overall it feels like it's lacking the polish of the ninth movie in Quentin Tarantino's. Well, that's interesting. I, I didn't I didn't feel that way at all. I I I, I really thought... feel like I feel like the time jump if it happened almost dead center to the movie, it could have worked as this is part one, this is part two. Um, instead, because of the imbalance of it being just the third act of the movie, it feels really awkward and tacked on. Strange. The the I again total. I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense, and I could totally see. And this is from someone way. who I actually like. I enjoyed the third act. Like yeah, and I, 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 and I totally get where everything that had happened before led to that. It just yeah. feels so imbalanced. I think the asymmetry made that final scene even bigger than it already was. Yes, but because of how much they chewed up the space and the time with the first two acts, Mm -hmm. comparatively, it feels like the third act is rushed. Even though, Hmm. functionally, it isn't, because it's being compared to something that's much bigger that should be treated as equal weight, it feels like it was left out. Or feels like it was given short shrift. That's, again, that's that's fair. I, I I think I just see it differently. I like I, I like the weirdness. I like that it's not well, cookie I will, cutter or like. I will say this. Apparently, I, I was reading. I was doing some reading before I saw this movie. I did some more reading on it after I saw the movie, just to try and understand the proper perspective. Because I understand that like the lore of Tarantino is as important as the movies themselves. Hmm. Meaning the lore both on and off screen. Um, because there's like a cult following of that guy, and that's fine. I, I don't sure. begrudge, begrudge people that. I understand why people like his stuff so much, even if I don't necessarily. Um, but the thing is, I, I feel like I get it more with some of the other movies, and I don't get it with this one because I feel like it's he's being given a pass for this movie specifically because of all of the credit that he's built up with the other ones. But mm. from what I understand, the first like five or six movies that he made he had the same editor and that person hasn't edited the last couple of movies of his Hmm. and that's why there's been a perceived downturn in quality especially it seems actually i'm surprised to see um how unanimously even big tarantino fans aren't a huge fan of the hateful eight from what i understand yeah i've heard that as well i haven't gotten the chance to see it i've heard that I didn't see it. My my brother said he didn't like it, but I don't know how big. I mean, I know he loves Django, and he I think he likes Inglorious Bastards, but I don't think he's as big a Kill Bill fan as I am. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't think he's seen the early ones. Um, But yeah, I from what I understand, yeah the 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 editor that he had for the first like I think it's five movies he hasn't had for the last four or something like that, and so there's been some jarringness to that too. Yeah, no, it's for sure. I mean, yeah, you hear all like all different things. That the general, from what I've heard from folks that I know that are fans of his work that have seen it, they they weren't super keen on this one. They thought it was they thought it was okay. They didn't I, like that. Like that was the general feeling that I was getting. I I personally liked it. I a lot. I really did enjoy it. Um, what I find interesting about it is, in someone else's hands, the scenes that were long and like drawn out like they if you were to if you were to describe the scene on paper to me it would sound very boring but the way that i i i really enjoy his execution 
and I think like I don't know, just the silly like uh, not a spoiler or anything on this, but just the silly scene of uh, uh, Brad Pitt's character in the trailer feeding the dog and making himself macaroni and cheese. It goes on for a very long time. If you write that on paper, you're like, what is this? This is like a, a half page of screenplay. Like, what is this? But the way that that plays out and the length that it goes to, I just feel like you actually get a lot out of the character. You just understand bits and pieces of, from their mannerisms, from the way they move around the screen, from how they're interacting with inanimate objects. on. Like, I feel like that builds the character in a way that... Uh, Somebody else could do it, and I might. I don't know that I'd get that, and I don't know what it is that he's doing. I just know that I'm completely captivated during a scene like that. I don't know why. I was actually good with that scene because it's the first time you actually get some of his, like who he is. Mm-hmm. I was fine with that one. Um, no, I mean, you know what? I think it was just because it was like kind of egregiously showing off, like, hey, we can do this. The, mm. the flashback inside of a flashback while he's on the roof that lasts for 15 minutes is egregious. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 could see, I could see myself criticizing that, and I don't know why in this situation I'm not. I they, actually they could have cut it. that. They could have cut that almost in half. I, I liked what happened after it cut back, where I had like a slight confusion, but then. Figured out what had just happened. No, I mean, I, I like got, it. I got what had happened the whole time. It's just, yeah, it was gratuitous. I don't know. I, I, I again, he making a meal like I said earlier, like he makes a meal out of every scene. Like it's a very long thing. There's a lot in there. There's a lot packed. It's also a long scene, but yeah, there's but a the lot packed is, in there. By the end of this movie, I felt like when you when you realize that you're an asshole at Thanksgiving and you ate. Not 10% too much, but like 50% too much. <laughs> like, every scene doesn't need to be a meal. Some of them can sure. be snacks. Yeah. That's that's fair. I think I just enjoyed it more than you did. But, like, I, I liked parts of the flashback thing. The whole thing yeah. with when they finally explain why it is that... What's his, that, uh, what's his name? That Kurt Russell's wife hates him. Uh-huh. Really interesting. The way they, they leave it open-ended. Even though you yeah. know what the end of that story is. Right? And yeah. Although it's not how open-ended is it really because if you watch and it could be one of those things that's continuity error except it's not because it's very clearly done as unreliable narration. If you watch she moves a couple of times when they cut and his arm keeps shifting with the gun. Yep. Um, so like that whole thing very interesting. The whole thing with Bruce Lee although apparently it really pissed off Bruce Lee's family. Yeah. Um that whole thing was really interesting. It's a very cool. comical scene. Yeah, that was actually a really good scene. But that was only two-thirds of that 15-minute flashback. Sure. sure. I, yeah. I Again, I was fine with that. The whole, the whole sequence with, the, with, with him um, like ready to shoot his like guest appearance on whatever uh, Lancer was at the show, um, it's... It's just too long. Some of it was really good. The 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 both scenes with the little girl, really good scenes. Uh, yeah. Totally on board with all of that. There's a lot of extraneous shit they could have cut out of all of that. They don't. Need I, to, they don't need to cut back eight times to Sharon I, watching the movie. I disagree. I I get again. Get where you're coming from. Disagree though, just because that's the that this is exactly what I expected going in, and I I actually thought I I enjoyed all of it. Everything that was no, and, and honestly, I'm really over the whole it. I'm over the whole feet thing. Like, 
like we get it, dude. You like feet? Like, sh- like <laughs> cut it out. Like, cut <laughs> that, it out. That was just cut it out. Because one, because one of those whole sequences <gasps> was just showing it over her feet. Like, I'm, like I get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, I don't, you're just, you, you might just not like, I enjoy a lot of his style. You might enjoy 50% of his style. Yeah, which is fine. That's all but is. the thing is, like, the problem is, is he's at a point in his career, I think, where he just, he knows he can be gratuitous. Who's going to tell him no? Uh, problem is an interesting way of putting that. I don't think it's a problem. I think you have a choice to see the movie or not. There is no problem here. Eh. I mean, what's the actual problem? He's, he's made his mark. He can do what he wants to do with his movie. If you don't like it or you don't want to watch it, don't. Yeah. He doesn't care. I guess so. Um, it's just one of those things where... But it, the problem is if some of, some of that stuff feels like a, like a middle finger to the audience, though. Like, I don't, mind, I don't mind you baiting and switching the audience occasionally to uh-huh. keep us on our toes. And yes, I use toes on purpose there. Um, but I, I don't know. Some of it just feels kind of like a middle finger. It's like, you're going to get on board and like it because you're here. Like, it's like, well, no, I don't. Like, I like but, a lot of the other things that are going on. Well, that's, but you're I think that's the perspective that away. you're coming from, though. I don't think that's like, it's not a forced thing. You're, you, I, it almost feels a little bit like you're, disc- you're talking about a little bit of buyer's remorse there. Like, of you, you feel like you need to, but you don't. And you think that he's trying to tell you that you, you have to because you're here now. I don't think that's what's going on here. No, what I'm saying is, you're making a movie. Everyone wants to go see this movie. You want to have your own vision, and that's fine. Just know when to rein yourself back in, or put someone in position who can rein you in, um, because it's obvious that he doesn't have that person. But um, because, but why? I, like, I mean, well, like I said, I love both Kill Bill movies, so it's sure. not like I don't have any baseline. It's not like I keep going to the movies yeah. and don't like them, and like I keep like banging my head against this wall, like I'm keep stepping on the rake. Like, uh-huh. like no, like I've liked some of his stuff. I've like whole like long sections of his stuff i didn't love Django, but i liked a lot of it um i i don't know some of the stuff just feels like i'm gonna do this because i can but i'm okay with doing it because i can because i think it's gonna be cool or fun or interesting not just because like dude go watch porn with feet like i like i don't care <laughs> but it uh, just just playing devil's advocate here i don't necessarily disagree with like all of it but i'm kind of curious like what is he I'm still not following like what you like. He's, I don't. I feel like he's not saying that it's something that it's not. I feel like he's not. He's just not. Be, he's just making the movie that he wants to make. That's what I was. That's kind of what I get out of it. Yeah, I guess so. But like, uh, I don't know. No. Yeah. Well, let's let's move on to some interesting things. Uh, do you want to just should we lift the veil so that we can talk about some interesting specifics? I feel like we kind of already have, but yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah. Well, no, not really. We didn't talk about any of the, the any major things. Um, no, that's well, true. Uh. The one thing that I gotta I immediately bring out is the the slight camera tilt towards the flamethrower in the garage way early in the movie was really satisfying when the flamethrower came out again. Well, this movie probably set a record for the most Chekhov's insert item here. Right. Because, <laughs> like, there was Chekhov's acid-dipped cigarette, and there yep. was Chekhov's flamethrower, and... <laughs> Uh, like a couple of other things and of slightly lesser import, like <laughs> yeah, um, a couple of things of lesser import, but still, like there was multiple things that like fit that trope. Um, those two being the biggest ones that intertwined in that whole final sequence. Yeah, the the as soon as she came out, I was like, "This is what's happening next." 
<laughs> and I cannot wait for it. The the final, what is it? Is it 20? Is it 30 minutes? I don't even know. It's a fever dream. The final acid trip of that movie is so rewatchable. Well, I was I kept waiting for I I uh, you know what? To to go back against what I'm saying. He restrained himself on the gratuitous violence until the very end. Yeah. Did the whole, uh, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to yeah, do yeah. it. I'm not going to do it. And then he did it. <laughs> to me, that is mature movie making. You know what I'm saying? Like, I will happily give him credit for that because yeah. I actually thought it was to, to this movie's credit. Because I had been wondering how that... How are you pre- going to fit this in? Yeah, how is that predilection yeah. going to fit in this movie, like writ large across it from start to finish and it doesn't and it's because it wouldn't have fit if he had done it it would have been a bad movie probably there wouldn't really be a great way the only other scene was the scene where he beats up the guy at Spawn Ranch and again that was earned so like Mm -hmm. I'm totally good with it Um, that was so him beating that guy up was so satisfying yeah (laughs) yeah because they were annoying you know what I mean like they really were and like I know know you what's your uh, what's his name I'm the devil. <laughs> here to do the devil's work. Nah, that's not it. No, that's not uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the the final act was really good. Um, from start to finish, from the moment they do the time jump, the like that whole self-contained arc was really good, which is what pisses me off about what drives me nuts about the first two acts. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that, this is why it's annoying to me, is because there is so much good here that I feel like is betrayed by his worst impulses. That's what's annoying to me. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Because he rest- he restrained some of those impulses in that aspect, and it was an absolute credit to the movie. Yeah, I don't. It's just I I like yeah the, the restraint played out well in that it made that finale just fantastic and so much fun. Yeah, uh, as gruesome as it was, you can enjoy it and have that fun because it you didn't have so much of it going in. Um, the sicking the dog on him with a. That was just the way when that when that kicks the whole thing off, it's just like, oh, you're just like, and here we go, <laughs> you know. And then, oh my god, throwing the can at the girl's face. Well, again, maybe not quite the checkoff thing, but again, I was kind of like, I, yeah. I'm like, eventually he's gonna use that can as a weapon, right? Yeah, and it's I like be, that it's yeah. gonna be Earl- brutal. <laughs> Earl- and Earl- like- when, he, when he opens the can and drops the food out, it's just like, let me be very clear. You see how the food thunked out of this can? Let's yep. be very clear that this can is heavy. Yep. That's that's what the, all that scene was for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, that, the, uh, the psycho is coming up to the house. The Manson family. <laughs> also, I the, love that the one girl stole the car. Yeah. She was also in Stranger Things and was awesome in the third season of Stranger Things. Oh, really? Yep. Uh, that whole... That their interaction in the car, uh, their conversation, it's so absurd because it's like real people <laughs> having in a doing this very not real thing, but having a real conversation in the middle of it and like being like bickering and being annoyed with each other and like going off on it. Like it, it was just so outlandish and bizarre. I loved everything about that scene. Oh, yeah. It's so it was so ridiculous. Um, Tex. Tex got wrecked. Tex got his face stomped in. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, <laughs> that was that was crazy. The uh the when he's on 
when Brad Pitt's... Oh, I can't think of his actual name in the movie. Um, when Cliff arrives on the farm, that I, I always enjoyed those tension-building scenes because I do know that there's a good chance there's not going to be anything that happens, but the, the way that it, it plays out, like, it's very eerie. It's a very horror movie. It kind of reminds me of, like, the opening of the seventh Resident Evil game. It's, like, just really weird, him walking into the house, and you're just, like, you're on edge. You're like, I don't... I don't I don't know where this is going to go. Can't know. Yeah, the whole time I was expecting something brutal to happen to him or someone else right. they were trying to attack him because you don't know what's going to happen because he's not real. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I was expecting, honestly, for most of it, I was expecting both of them to, I was expecting both of them to brutally die because, you know. Sure. They, they're the only people who aren't real in this whole equation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, which, made what they, which made the way they ended, chose to end it very curious. It was kind of cool. Uh, the alternate reality thing that he he has done is is fun. I I kind of enjoyed that. Uh, well, this was probably the most audacious though, because like <laughs> Dis- disagree. <laughs> uh, just watching what were the rest of Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> no, I know how it ends. But the thing is, you can choose to end it the way the movie did or the way it ended in real life. Either way, the U.S. wins and Hitler dies. <laughs> Fair, okay. Like, you can change the story, but the ending's sure. the same. <laughs> this changes the history altogether. This changes the history altogether. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I got you. I got you. No, that was... Uh, it, it is... It's a very bizarre thing. And also, like, these two lost... Like, the connection of, like, these two lost souls that don't really know their place in this world, in this, like, in this scene anymore. And they still... They get to go... They recognize each other and kind of get to go on another day with that recognition and, like, actually live out their lives rather than... It being taken away was was kind of cool. Well, I get it, and I looked into it. And it's like, okay, it's a deeper metaphor, and the fact that she survives is, you know, trying to preserve the innocence of her and the innocence of Hollywood before it became. And I know some people have looked into the his, history, you know, and hindsight's twenty twenty that sure. that that whole brutal murder in real life kind of reflected itself in where the more brutality in Hollywood itself picked up in the ensuing years. Even though it wasn't right the next day, it's kind of easy to tie those two things together. And I get all that. And I'm actually okay with it. But, mm-hmm. like, I'm just okay with it. Like, it didn't really move the needle for me, you know what I mean? Sure. It's kind of... It's kind of... It's... I mean, what it is, is it's sentimental. And that's yeah. fine. But it it's also, almost, like, a little fantastical. <laughs> it just that. smacks as slightly, slightly cheesy to me. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's fine. I think that it, you, I mean, by the title, there is a little bit of fantasy. Fantasy is cheesy. Yeah, and that's true, too. Um, I mean, it is the, you know, once upon a time in Hollywood, it is, we're doing a fairy tale. This isn't yeah. history. And, and I'm, so I'm, I'm, I'm largely good with it, even if it doesn't really, like, get me going. You know what I mean? Like, it works. Like, I, I, I do get that part of it. You know, you know what's really funny is the, the recap of what happened, but, between the gate with Emil Hirsch and Leonardo DiCaprio of like what just happened at the house. Yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> that recap conversation was wonderful and so entertaining and just so bizarre. And he's just like, shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, no, not questioning it at all because it's a, a not not bad outlandish, I guess. Yeah. The, but yeah, I had a, the flamethrower. The one from. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's the that's the one. 
Oh my god, so absurd. The uh, we we skipped over the, early on in the movie. The uh, I had mentioned this I think before we started, with the Al Pacino character was so silly to me. Yeah, uh, it's kind of like a that character over the years just completely turned into a caricature, and then with a little ooh you know, like it was just it was it was really silly, uh, and then like the um, the Rick Dalton. Clint Eastwood spaghetti western thing happening was really fun too. I don't know. Uh, I I feel like I would watch Operation Dynamite. Hundred <laughs> percent. Oh my god! The what low a, bu- the low budget Italian James Bond flick. <laughs> that the the movies like the clips of movies that were shot to be peppered in as movies that exist in that were very fun. Yes. Very entertaining, uh, especially the red apple. Was it red apple cigarettes? Apple cigarettes. The at the the finale the, during the credits, they do the the advertisement for the cigarettes, and oh. he and Rick Dalton's doing the advertisement and how you know these cigarettes were around back then. So you'll see me smoking these like in the in my next. And then like they go cut and he goes, he tastes like shit. And then he knocks the he knocks the billboard the uh, like the cardboard come out of him. So he's like, who took this picture? I got a double chin. And he, he knocks it over. It's so it's just so silly. That whole like extra the character living in that world. And then it's like, okay, let's dive a little bit deeper. And like, what is that character doing in the world? And let's see one of their films or one of their TV spots. Like, I thought that's a, that, that's really fun to see. That's, that's fairly, it's not commonly done. No. Um, although this is now reminding me of that episode of Shit's Creek where, where Moira does the commercial for the fruit wine. Oh my God. <laughs> Earlier you referred to it as liquid stink. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, that that show is so funny. I'm, uh, I'm Moina Rose. You just the, said Moina. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that I really, really enjoyed was, uh, and this this is, I think, knowing that the pacing was slow, knowing that we don't actually know where the movie is going sometimes, like we, we get lost in the world a little bit, is the, the scene between Rick and, was it Mary Bell? Mary Bella? The little girl? What's I forgot what her character name was. Oh, the scene between Rick and was it Mary Bella? Uh, There. So what I loved about that scene is it's just at the junction in the movie where you're starting to maybe you might be like pulling back a little bit. You might be kind of forgetting where we're going, what's happening, and they just do like this rapid recap within the movie, talking about the book within the movie that they're shooting in the movie, and it just. All of that happening is just like this, this just ridiculous like layered Sunday of a, like effect that's happening, and I I just really enjoyed that. I thought it was so much fun. It's like just like let's let's just enjoy the Western aspect of like the like the Western style that can be like seen across the entire film and then seen within the film in the movie, like the Inception <laughs> Western. Yeah, there's that's definitely going on. some metatextual stuff to all that. Of, you know, it's you know the Western in the movie and the Western in real life. Right, he is a Western, and and that that little girl was hysterical. That was a great yeah. character. So so awesome. Uh, the I didn't realize it took me. A minute, because the I I recognized the name. I didn't recognize him with his getup on, um, until uh, until afterwards when when Kim brought it up. But uh, Luke Perry, I imagine this is his final. Yes, his performance. That was his final thing. 
Um, Although I didn't recognize him at all for whatever reason. I think it was because at that point in the movie, I had had a long day and also had gone to the gym. And I, I barely was, recognized him, and I, I had seen him a lot in uh, Riverdale. So, like, I, I thought I would have recognized him, but... I didn't. Well, no, as I say, some of the parts of that movie, and this is part of why it drove me a little nuts, is even though I didn't actually fall asleep, like, I was getting to the point where I was almost going to be dozing, where, like, I was sure. actively fighting it off. Oh, uh, like, it's the worst. I was like, can something just happen to, like, jar me to... Like, I needed that, I needed that scene where he beats the shit out of... The guy at the ranch to like jolt me like awake. You know what I mean? I needed that right. added adrenaline boost, and I couldn't do like my thing when I'm tired and like the you know where I start slapping myself in the face like because mm. it was gonna make a lot of noise. There's a lot of people in the theater, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I totally weird. did recognize him, and then I saw it later. I was like, oh, oh, that was Luke Perry. Okay, yeah, it was cool that it was like him and Timothy Oliphant like doing the 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 whole thing. Yeah. What, for whatever reason, I even though he's in the, the movie for like ninety seconds, Damian Lewis as Steve McQueen cracked me yep. up. Mostly just because that hair looks fucking ridiculous on it him. It was absurd. <laughs> it was absurd. Um, and like I didn't get the whole thing. Like I knew he was playing Steve McQueen in that scene, mm-hmm. but I was just like, "Huh, that's it." <laughs> okay. Um, I did. I like. I know it's a whole thing. Like he gets a million like famous actors in his movies, and I actually yeah. think that, that 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 a lot of that's cool. You yeah. know, you're getting him for like to say six sentences or whatever. Like, or like Michael Badson for like two sentences. You know what I mean? Like, I'm I'm actually good with all those things. I I think they're they're kind of cool. Well, they all, they all seem to be. Everybody that's on that's in the movie seems to really be having a good time doing what they're doing. Well, there's a bunch of people I didn't even like catch were in it. Like, like I said, yeah. I didn't even catch that that was Luke Perry. I didn't catch like yeah. Lena Dunham is one of the people on the ranch or whatever. Like, didn't recognize her. Like, mm-hmm. um, well, although the girl who did they even say her name? I can't remember. Dakota um, Fanning. No, not her. The one uh, Margaret Qualley, the one who he actually picked up in the car and was talking to the whole time. Okay. And this is again why I was saying like the whole feet thing is gratuitous. Like she kept cutting to her like with her feet on the fucking windshield. Like, okay, we get it. Um, but she was she- good in it. Two saw, characters from Yoga Hosers. That's just over my head. Uh, <laughs> she, she was one of the main characters in The Leftovers, so. Hmm. But no, yeah, they, but like, they all more so than like you know, there's actors, really good actors. Like they'll get into a role, like they'll they'll really become the character, like on the screen. Like I really buy it. There's something about everybody in the movie really feeling like the written character that they're playing that I, I just, it seems, it just seems like they're really enjoying themselves doing it. I think there was probably something pretty meta to some of the, the casting, especially hmm. DiCaprio and Pitt. They both, I wonder if especially DiCaprio ever got uncomfortable with it because some of it felt too on the nose. A little, yeah, a little real. Yeah. Like I wonder if at all when he's breaking down, if it ever felt a little real <laughs> to, to him, you know what I mean? The breakdown, yeah, I, I could I could totally see that. You know what felt really, what was really real for me? It was just the disgusting sniffing and snot rocketing was making me want to puke. That was, <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't handle it. It was disgusting. But uh, no, yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying. It, it, yeah, it almost seems like a, that, that, that's probably like you said, it might be like, a meta point that's being made or like it's probably not lost on him either well that's what i'm saying like yeah. i'm wondering like it couldn't have been lost on him so i'm wondering at what point does it hit him like oh yeah this is um well it's too late for me to back out now but who yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> the 
the Italian wife freaking out at the end oh, was yeah, yeah. really, really funny because of the words that I can pick up. It was very entertaining to listen to. <laughs> uh, and because you didn't need subtitles. Yeah. You knew exactly what she was saying. Like, it was, it was, so, it was so funny. Uh, and, and, you know, how about at the very end when the dog runs to the room to go inside because, like, now it's... Now it's scared? Like, what? <laughs> after all of this trauma, I guess? Yeah. <laughs> that was so silly. I... Nah. Anyway, at, at the end of the day, I really I really did enjoy this. I would give it, like, a six. That's fair. I, I would give it an... It's, a, it's an eight for me. Like, I didn't actively dislike it. You know what yeah. I mean? No, like, there I, was I, I got you. plenty man. of it that I liked. It's just... I don't know. I just ended up being disappointed with it. I would not be surprised if the general audience is on your side or lower on the scale. Yeah. It wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. It didn't well, seem the, like the, everybody the, leaving the theater enjoyed themselves as much as I did. The funny thing is, is I, it's weird, but it seems like like you, you kind of alluded to that I, my perspective is weirdly hewing close to some of the diehard fans of his. Mm-hmm. I would have felt like I would have been directly opposite because I feel like those people are here for the Tarantino experience. The sure. good and the bad. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and And... I just didn't want the bad. Like if if it's if it's easily identifiable that this is bad Tarantino, then it's something that needs to be cut out of the movie. You know what I mean? Like he sh- like he is a self aware dude. Like mm-hmm. he should know. Hey, my fans aren't even here for this thing. Why am I putting it in the movie? You know what I mean? It could also be the fact that he's now getting to the point where he can do fully what he wants to do and you might not, and people might not like that which is fine also. and that's that's what kind of what i was saying at the, at the height of my rant was like like there has to be a level of accountability to that where whether it be he himself or him, him empowering someone to do uh, it for there him, has to be to a say, level hey of like, does this really need to be in there or can we just you know tighten or whatever you know what that I mean? accountability only needs to be there if he's if he's confused as to why people aren't getting it, if he's not, if he's well, not how would I know if he's confused? I, I don't know, but I'm just saying, he if he's not coming out saying like, you know, I don't understand like why like this is me. like if he's if he's it feels more like the that he do did what he wanted to do and he's not really apologizing for it or not caring so much. It's just the movie he wanted to make. That's that's what I got out of it, and I think that's okay. Well, I hear the term unapologetic thrown around with these sorts of scenarios a lot. Um, and too often it's like worn as an undeniable badge of honor. And I'm not saying there isn't some good in that because there surely is, but let's not act like there isn't a downside. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. I don't, I, I, there's, there's definitely can be a downside to that phrasing. Um, I don't think there's a downside here. If I, I don't think anybody got hurt or if anybody's like really in a bad spot because of this. I think that he got to make the movie that he wanted to because of the career that he's had that afforded him this position. And I could be wrong. Maybe he didn't love the way it came out. That's just what I think. And I personally enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, um, I would be curious to hear maybe five years from now. Like what his take is on it. How he feels about that movie and its reception, you know what I mean? And I'm sure, I mean, we'll probably hear that at some point. I imagine there'll be some interview, like... Now that the dust has settled on, like, these films that you've made, like, where do you stand? Rank your own movies. Like, I'd be curious to hear that, for sure. Um, I'd also be curious if there's some narrative there of what what you're saying is, it's not, other people are feeling that way. 
you know like so there's there's something there i'd be curious what that translates to into his story and his words of like is this the thing that he wanted to make or is the previous thing the thing that he wanted to make did he feel lost when he made it or did he feel right i'd be i'm just curious i don't care it doesn't matter to me i'm just curious i feel like it'd be it'd be a very interesting story to hear I just wonder what, and I'm sure it's a moving, like moving target, but I just wonder at what point I made the movie I wanted to make, and this came out exactly how I wanted to. Like, at what point that's a negative instead of a positive? You know what I mean? Mm. Like, we obviously didn't hit it here because I would still say the good outweighed the bad. You know what I mean? Sure. But like, at what point is being a slave to that mentality a problem? It's like if, de- if this movie could have been an all timer, but it was held back by very easily identifiable flaws, you know what I mean? I know what you mean. I don't know. I, I'm, I don't, more, I don't... I'm more asking it as a question than like a like a, as a hypothetical question. Sure, like, I just don't know what, in what situation that could actually be a problem. It's just a, again, if it's not, it, don't don't see it. Don't go after his things. If you, you know what I mean, I don't know. I just don't see it. It's not really a problem. It's just art. It's just a thing that he's making. It's just a thing that these people are working on together. Well, I wonder and because if 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 Hateful Eight is considered a flop and this one is viewed as being less than unavoidable, you know what I mean? Like it's like something that's not like you have to go see it. Does this start to be the beginning of the end? You know what I mean? Is he losing steam? Like he's talked about ten being his final one. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I, is this? Is this not a cry for help type of thing, but you know what I mean? Like, is this kind of a, I don't have a gas to get me across the finish line type of deal, I guess is what I'm asking. Um, hmm. I don't, I don't know. I feel like there's also like, uh, we're fans of a lot of different types of movies. We're fans of a lot of film in general. I think there's also, uh, there's something interesting here. It was like, it doesn't matter, right? It's his, it's his stuff. He can do what he wants. He doesn't owe... I don't think personally that he owes anybody anything. Like he doesn't. Yeah, he might have fans. That's fine. But like, let's now if you take that into like a a, a Star Wars or a Marvel property, a thing that had like it's not yours at the point you're making it. It is at that point the community's thing, and you are trying to do it justice. Like there, I feel like there's a different there's a difference there. Mm, I think even for an author though. Um... Uh, there, I don't like. Uh, he doesn't owe anyone anything. I think that's a cop out. I'm not saying that there isn't some truth to that, or to some degree that that should be true. I, I, I can be on board with that. But to act like you don't answer to anyone, he doesn't answer to me, mm-hmm. but he answers to the fandom at large. Those people propped him up. He had to have the ability and the talent and the creativity and everything to get there, right? But it is a relationship. It's not a one-way street. And you as a fan have the right to be annoyed or disappointed, and you can vote with your wallet. Sure. Well, that's... I don't actually like that mentality either, vote with your wallet. Because until I've paid for the movie and seen it, I don't know if I like it or not. Well, okay. So maybe you get, you know, fool me once. You know, like, if if you didn't care for it, don't go see his next one. Yeah, I guess that might be the case. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I, it's not. I don't. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get on board with this one just because it's just he's. I, I don't think that. Like, I don't know. I, I think about Kevin Smith too, right? Like, the last few movies he made were movies he wanted to make. Yeah, and I had no interest in seeing them. 
Right, and did and either you, and you didn't, or you saw whatever you saw because I wanted you to, because we wanted to do something like that's that's fine, you know, like that's he 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 went in there, he was vocal about I'm making the movie I want to make, you know, and that's that's fine. Uh, I would say maybe the difference here being that I didn't get that vocalization that I'm making, like I'm not making the next Quentin Tarantino movie, I'm making the movie I want to make. Like if if that's if like if. Maybe maybe there's a little bit of a disclaimer that should go along with it to help the audience if that would make you feel better about it. I don't think that that's necessary. Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, at the end of the day, I really enjoyed this. Um, and that's pretty. M- I don't. I don't have any other like scene notes or things to go over. Do you have any other notes? No, not really. Well, then that's it for this week's episode of Flicks in a Six. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, if you have a movie for us to review or nuggets for us to discuss, you can send those requests to Flicks in the Six at spinchoon.com or tweet us at the spinchoon with the hashtag FLI6. Tune in next week for more movie and beer goodness. Until then, I'm Anthony Costanzo. And I'm Al Thanks for coming out. Yeah.